0: I'm Freddie Dale with Dale Farms in Cattle Mills, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas
1: agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
2: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today,
3: Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, it's great to have you along for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you gotta do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state of the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we have a great looking corn and sorghum crop here in Texas this year. We'll take a look at all the latest crop ratings coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin, I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
4: August is a critical month for crop development in the Texas high plains. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll get a status report on summer crops.
5: Agricultural competition from Brazil and Russia, along with other countries. I'm Tom Nicoletti. I'll have more from former U.S. Ambassador Greg Dowd on Texas Ag Today.
6: Summer heat isn't just uncomfortable, it's also taking its toll on summer crops. Hello, I'm Barry Muller, and I have the story in today's report from the Rolling Plains.
3: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We continue to see a very good-looking corn crop across Texas and a fairly good-looking sorghum crop. The latest crop ratings came out this week. They show that 61% of the corn is now rated good to excellent, 29% rated fair, and 10% of the corn crop rated poor to very poor. The sorghum numbers don't look quite as good. 48% of the sorghum now rated good to excellent, 27% fair, and 24% poor to very poor. This report doesn't show any harvest progress numbers, but we do know that both corn and Milo harvest has moved into central Texas. Texas wheat flour production was down last quarter.
7: All wheat ground flour production and daily capacity in Texas fell last quarter. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 13.1 million bushels of wheat was ground for flour between April and June in Texas. That's down about 400,000 bushels from the previous quarter and is half a million bushels lower than the same quarter last year. Wheat flour production last quarter was six point zero seven hundred weight in Texas. That's down 300,000 hundred weight from the same time last year. The daily milling capacity in Texas last quarter was 86,000 hundred weight, down from 92,000 hundred weight per day in the same quarter in 2022. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
3: If you're a landowner in Texas, you may want to check out the "Owning Your Piece of Texas" workshop put on by Texas A&M AgriLife.
8: So, the "Owning Your Piece of Texas" workshop is a full-day program geared at highlighting some of the key laws that rural Texas landowners need to be aware of. Uh, so, we're going to cover everything from uh, water law, fence law, eminent domain, property taxes, landowner liability. Um, so just sort of kind of run the gamut on some of the key laws that could come up if you're a rural landowner.
3: That's AgriLife Ag Law Specialist Tiffany Dowell-Lashmitt. She says there will be two workshops held this fall.
8: Yeah, so on September the 25th, we're going to be in Rosenberg. And then on the next day, September the 26th, we're going to be in Emory. And we've got information. They're both full-day courses, information about the exact location and how to register is on my website. It's just called the Texas Agriculture Law Blog.
3: Again, that's September 25th in Rosenberg, September 26th in Emory. If you need more information, just search for the Texas Agriculture Law Blog and click the upcoming presentations tab. August is a critical month for crop development on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt has a crop status report from Amarillo.
4: One thing that was established early on is that this would be a season where a lot more acres in the Texas High Plains were going to go to sorghum, especially once heavy rains at planting time forced a lot of acres to be switched away from cotton. On the positive side, Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says, for the most part the sorghum in our area is coming along really well. The bad news? An unwelcome visitor is back
8: producers do need to be out scouting and looking for those sugarcane aphids because we know from past experience those colonies can explode very quickly. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about grain sorghum or forage sorghum, we need to be managing those sugarcane aphids. In our forages, the quality and the tonnage of that forage will decline under heavy sugarcane aphid pressure.
4: So that's a consideration right now for sorghum-specific but for Texas High Plains crops in general, the big issue is we need some moisture. Yes, we got some really good rains in May and June, but in recent weeks, much of the region has been experiencing dry, hot, and often windy weather. And Dr. Bell says the symptoms are there.
8: We see that corn is starting to show signs of extreme stress in many areas, especially because very few producers have the well capacity to meet that crop water demand.
4: And Dr. Bell says even cotton could use a break from the extreme heat.
8: When we get above 95 degrees, that crop will also put on the brakes. You know, it's using water to cool itself rather than using water to grow and develop.
4: I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
3: Agricultural competition from Brazil and Russia is strong on the world market. Tom Nicoletti has more from a former U.S.
5: trade ambassador. My guest again today is former U.S. Ambassador Greg Dowd. He is now serving as Vice President of Global Situational Awareness and Chief Economist for Aimpoint Research. He addresses the challenges farmers in the United States face from Brazil
9: and other countries. Right now and and going forward, the challenge is we've got a lot of competition from Brazil coming in terms of the huge soybean crop and and corn crops that they've produced here in the last year. That's going to have a long tail on it that's uh, going to give us fits here going forward. Yes, you mentioned the connection
5: between uh, Brazil, Russia, India, and China and what they are doing agriculturally and how that also is impacting the world, those four countries combined.
9: You're seeing a lot of that on the input side of the equation in terms of particularly fertilizer. There's a lot conversations going on between those countries on the input side of the equation. But certainly, if you look at what Russia is doing, China is the biggest wheat importer in the world. Russia is the biggest wheat exporter in the world. They are looking at ways to conduct that relationship, maybe outside the bounds of international trade in more of a government to government relationship. That is a really concerning thing going forward longer term in terms of price transparency and the fact that you have these big players that aren't transparent in terms of what they're doing. That's potentially problematic.
5: How does the collapse of price of wheat in Russia, how is that uh, impacting the, the world markets?
9: It's put a real big dent on wheat prices here. Last year, Russia had an enormous wheat crop. their record exports. Price of wheat in Russia has been falling for almost the past year straight, down to really, really cheap prices. But you're beginning to see that change maybe a little bit because it is really turned off hot and dry in Russia. And
5: that is former U.S. Ambassador Greg Dowd. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The summer heat is taking a toll on
3: summer crops on the Texas Rolling Plains. Barry Mahler has an update
6: from north central Texas. Summer is moving on here on the Rolling Plains with the continuation of a pretty uncomfortable heat wave that's not just hard on me, but to our crops in the region. Now, even though we're experiencing 100-plus degree days for the last two weeks and the forecast is saying it will continue for a while, I don't think we've set a record high for a day yet, and we may not. The heat does not compare in degree or duration to heat waves of the past, so no alarming news of doom and gloom here. Just a heat wave in Texas, which is not unusual. Unpleasant? Yes, but not unusual. It's hitting our spring planted crops pretty hard because the corn's pretty much mature. And although producers would like to have had that one last rain to help fill the years, well, it's about ready for harvest. It's drying down and I think it's going to be okay. Now, the grain sorghum is stressing pretty bad and it will affect the yields there. Even though at this stage of growth, the agronomists tell us the yield potential is set genetically, it needed that one more rain to fully reach its potential. And even though the uh, earliest planted fields still look pretty good, it's going to take its toll. There's no doubt about that. We had a mixed bag in the cotton department. It was a tough year to get a strong, consistent stand that is needed for a really good crop. And as good as a spring shower sounds right now, we had a few untimely rains that caused some skippy stands last spring. Cotton on the good deep soil with good grass control still looks good. Even though the plant is very droopy at the end of a 105-degree day, but the yields are being affected. It's numerous squares, that's the undeveloped bowls, are being thrown off by the stress plant just to help it survive. With burn bans being put in place by counties all around the rolling plains, you'd know the grass is hurt, as well as the late summer hay production. Once again, there is good news, and a lot of early hay was raised, and that will help get a bunch of cattle through the winter. But hey, if you listen close, in most small rural communities, You'll hear a faint whistle early in the morning late in the evening, and that tells us that football practice has begun for Texas high school football, so be patient with the heat. Fall is not far away. This is Barry Mahler reporting from north-central Texas for Texas Ag Today.
7: Chronic wasting disease and the rules and regulations regarding the disease have taken a toll on deer breeders across Texas. I'm Jessica Duhlmull and we'll have comments from the Texas Deer Association coming up on Texas Ag Today. And creep
3: feeding calves is coming, but there may be another option. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag
5: Today.
2: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
3: Creep feeding calves is common, but Dr. Bob Judd says creep
1: grazing is another option. Creep grazing is a newer concept, especially for spring calving beef cows. While creep feeding based on grains has been studied in the animal science field for many years and a lot of data is available, It is always a concern if creep-feeding grain is profitable for the cow-calf producer. In many cases, the answer is that it is not profitable, as although calf weaning weights can be increased from 20 to 80 pounds, the value of the added weight gain will not cover the added expense of creep-feeding. The decision to creep-feed may be different if you are a seed stock producer, as the goals of this type of operation are different than the goals of a commercial producer. The economics are much different, as they are concerned with genetic potential for growth, so for some operations, creep-feeding grain may be profitable. However, commercial producers may want to consider creep grazing, as this is a more cost-effective solution. Creep grazing has the potential to be a more cost-effective means of adding additional weight on the calves by using forage instead of grain. Most forages can be used for creep grazing as long as they are high in nutrient quality and readily available. During the warm months, producers will use legumes or sorghum sudan and will use oats, wheat, and ryegrass for the winter. One method to feed the calves and not the cows is to use a narrow 18-inch wide gate to allow the calves in to graze and keep the cows out, or adding a single electric fence wire at 36 to 42 inches high to let the calves go under but keep the cows out. Calves will not gain as much as they would on grain, but it also costs less to feed forage. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
3: Chronic wasting disease and regulations regarding the disease have taken a toll on deer breeders across Texas. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report.
7: Since the first case of chronic wasting disease in Texas was found in a free-ranging mule deer in 2012, more than 500 cases of the neurological deer disease have been confirmed in the state, both in captive and in wild deer. It has taken a toll on deer breeders across the state. John True, president of the Texas Deer Association, says for licensed deer breeders to be able to move their deer, they must be up to date on required CWD testing. If they miss a test, they must do five live animal tests to make up for it.
6: You have to lose at least 5% of your adult population every year. So if you have a hundred deer in your deer bins, you're supposed to lose five. If a breeder has the fortune of not losing any deer that year, in order to keep that movement qualified status, there's a five to one makeup. So you're supposed to test five. So you have to live test 25 animals just to keep your light switch on. There is constant surveillance on all deer breeders.
7: There are 683 breeders in Texas right now with about 65,000 head of deer in pens.
6: In the last 18 months, we've tested literally 100%. I think we've tested close to 80,000 deer between live tests and post-mortem tests during that time
7: frame. The deer breeders pick up the tab for those tests at about $300 a sample. Since
6: June of 2021, if you add up all of the live testing that we've done as an industry, we've spent around $20 million just abiding by the rules. That absolutely hits the bottom line.
7: And if CWD is found in a breeding facility, it is then depopulated by the state. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
3: It's time to check the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
2: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
7: On Thursday, the cattle complex recovered from Wednesday's losses. On Wednesday, the cattle complex did trade lower as a result of Fitch downgrading the U.S. government's rating. We did see that recovery on Thursday. August live cattle up 47 cents to 178.50. October live cattle up 80 cents to 181.30. December live cattle up 95 cents to 185.55. Feeder cattle also tried it higher on Thursday as a result of recent rains that brought some relief to the upper Midwest and central plains. August feeder cattle up a dollar 12 to 24795, September feeder cattle up a dollar 55 to 25165, October feeder cattle up a dollar 57 to 25342. Box Beef was mixed. Choice fell 74 cents to 302.44. Select Rosa Dollar to 278.47. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
1: Phil Brockenbush, Giddings Livestock. Sells a Monday. Phil had it to go. And-
0: Good, Larry. We wound up with 1696, had 305 sellers and 67 buyers on a, on a really good market.
1: Good. Walk the pins with us.
0: Okay, your steers, 300 back average, 251, brought up to 295. Three to four weights, 242 to 285. Four to five weights, 233 to 277 and a half. Five to six weights, 224 to 257 and a half. Six to seven weights, 212 to 245. Seven to eight weights, 176 to 235. Your heifer mates, 300 back average, 231, brought up to 270. Three to... Four weights, 230 to 260. Four to five weights, 215 to 255. Five to six weights, 207 to 265. Six to seven weights, 199 to 237 and a half. Seven to eight weights, 184 to 207 and a half. Bull yearlings, seven to eight hundred fifty pounds, 140 to 235. Eight hundred fifty to a thousand pounds, a dollar to a dollar sixty-five. Your high yielding high yielding bulls, 120 to 131. Medium yielding bulls, 105 to 115. Your high yielding cows, a dollar to a dollar twenty medium young cows 75 to 90 little thin cows 30 to 70 sold uh few pairs had some decent pairs uh they brought up to 2250 uh the bread cows up to 1650 on on the, on the really good ones so it, w- it was a good day
1: great tell everybody how to get a hold of you if they're going to bring you some more sunday night for that monday sale
0: yes sir I, yeah we do a guy called me this morning he's gonna send uh 35 or 40 little old young black cows good. they'll be really nice so uh, we'll have them there next week they'll be all all bred cows. Uh, but give me a call at 979-716-4395 or call the barn at 979 542
1: We appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you, Larry. And neighbor, thank you too for being a part of walking the pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. That was Phil Brockenbush, Gettings Livestock, and this is Texas Farm Bureau Radio and Texas Ag Today.
7: The U.S. dollar moving higher and a lackluster weekly export sales report pushed lean hogs lower Thursday. August lean hogs down $1.67 to one hundred one even. October lean hogs down $2.82 to $82.05. Barrel cheese fell 4.5 cents Thursday to $1.82. Block cheese was steady at $1.96. The decline in barrel cheese price did impact Class Three milk on Thursday. August Class 3 milk down 34 cents to 1715, 100 weight. September Class 3 milk down 29 cents to 1724. The cotton markets recovered after Wednesday's losses on Thursday. That is likely due to the drought taking a toll on the Texas cotton crop. October cotton up 20 points to 85.28. December cotton up 11 points to 84.70. Corn traded lower on Thursday, pressured by a weather forecast. There are some parts of the Corn Belt that are expecting wet weather in the near future. Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, parts of Illinois, Indiana, and the Tennessee Valley. And reports of record corn yields in some areas also impacting corn trade on Thursday. September corn down seven and a half to 4.80 and three quarters. December corn down seven to 4.93 and a half. March 2024 corn down six and three quarters to 5.07 and a quarter. September hard red wheat down 19 and a half to 7.67 and a half. December hard red wheat down 19 to 7.82. March 2024 hard red wheat down 18 to 7.89 and a quarter. August soybeans fell 1 to 1428 and 3 quarters. November soybeans up 4 to 1325 and a quarter. September natural gas rose 7 cents Thursday to 255. October natural gas up 7 cents to 265. September crude oil up $2.09 to 81.58. October crude oil up $1.99 to 81.12 a barrel. The Dow fell one point Thursday to 35,280. The S&P 500 down two points to 4,509. And the NASDAQ up 15 points to 13,988. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I hope to see you then.